0: boxed out podcast episode 32 my name's harry worth and as always i'm joined by jack
1: mcdonald here we are and harry today we are not alone we have one of twitter oh formerly known as twitter x's greats the famous travis fraser aka fade man punting superstar welcome mate how are you going
2: man big big fan of the podcast just happy to be on and give my give my shit takes
1: <laughs> well i mean they can't be that shit when you've got 20k followers listening out every single day for uh for betting tips but hey man we're we're happy to have you
2: people rely on you for their rent bro yeah <laughs> they're, they're begging me for nba and i'm like Ugh. sometimes sometimes, sometimes nope. maybe good sometimes maybe shit <laughs>
0: Well, you've made the both of us um, a lot of money over the years. Um, Great to have you on. Before we get into basketball, because there is a lot of basketball to get to, um, as many of our listeners know, we are based in New Zealand, and it's been a very important time in New Zealand sport over the past couple of weeks with the Rugby World Cup. The All Blacks in the final facing their fiercest rival, of all time south africa uh gripping final if that's the appropriate word to use um the whole nation was up early in the morning for several weeks in a row watching the games cheering on the boys um we've talked about it on this podcast lads what did you think of the final
1: um it was a fantastic game of rugby i'll be watching it a lot of times on replay over the next coming weeks. No, it was um. Look, to be honest, before I get into the negativity, we're happy to be there. We honestly, I don't know, didn't have much of a chance based on the last couple of years, based on how the pools were drawn, based on the quarterfinal. But we made it to the final, and then just uh, an absolute shit show. From um, the referees, we didn't capitalize on our chances, but yeah, pretty gutting, even though we didn't expect to be there for it to uh, end in the way it did.
2: I think, I think one thing I've said for the All Blacks is like a long for a long time is, is the difference between the All Blacks goal kicking and some of these other countries is it's big. You know, we look at teams like England, South Africa. These guys just have gun goal kickers. They're kicking it from inside their own half on the angle. And then, you know, that's what in the end, that's what, you know, the refs made some really bad decisions and the All Blacks probably should have won it regar- regardless of that. But they had the opportunities to win it despite all of that. You know, they missed the conversion from, from, from Moanga. It, it, it was from the side, but it wasn't a deep sideline kick. It's a kick that he can make. Then, obviously, Geordie Barrett's kick. Again, another tough kick, but it's it's the type of kick that Pop Pollard made a kick very similar to that earlier in the game. So that's the difference. a lot In these close games, it's the goal kicking. And I think since Dan Carter, the All Blacks have not had a guy mm. that you can really rely on consistently every game for goal kicking. Some games, Moanga's good. Some games, he's not and in the final the goal kicking wasn't there and that, that was the difference in the end because it was just one point so yeah that's the disappointing part
0: yeah absolutely especially when it's like 23 points total scored in the whole match and we're, we're leaving you know five points on the board there in in kicks like that um, I, I thought Geordie was going to gonna get it I thought he was having his beaver moment um, the handling errors also killed us um lots of dropped ball and contact um i think you've got to commend them for going for it and running and playing their style even even when they were short um south africa man like just you know the deep bombs and that style is is quite punishing to watch at times i think it's quite rough that they couldn't manage they couldn't get over the the try line even though the Orblicks had 14 for you know 60 or 70 minutes um it's just it's just a shame for for rugby really because i think lots of momentum's been gained for the sport over the past few few years especially with social media tiktok instagram all of that and like rugby you know rugby's big in new zealand and big in some european countries but globally it's 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 not up there with other sports like basketball or or whatnot and you know you've got the two greatest nations of you know ever you know they've won the last four world cups now and it's it's marred by, you know, decisions and things that ha- happened not by the players. And yeah, it's just, it's just a bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think tra- Travis, you summed it up perfectly there with the the missed opportunities on the side of the All Blacks.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I sort of go back to what, um, what Fozzie said after the game and he did admit there were some tough calls, but he also said, we have to make our own luck. And, you know, really that, that's what it was even with everything against us in that game the opportunities were there you know Mm -hmm. even right at the end when Anton Leonard Brown knocked that ball on to pretty much seal it that's those little moments well not so little but those moments add up and at the end of the game we just didn't have enough I don't know not going our way but created by ourselves to put us over the over the line but uh yeah i wonder if wayne barnes will be coming on holiday here anytime soon
0: <laughs> i don't think so he probably hasn't been here since 2007
2: <laughs> so yeah i mean honestly with that with, with with wayne barnes i just think it's it's a bit you know he admitted with that Artie severe we had him for not releasing it was clear on the replay that he released and wayne barnes kind of even admitted afterwards that oh he, he kind of he, he's, he's sorry he didn't see it that way he kind of admitted he had him he made a mistake there but can't can't overrule that decision because he's already blown for the penalty yet the tmo can kind of come in at any point they want to stop the game pull up something from 5 minutes ago and but you cut a referee can't kind of overturn a penalty call they know is the wrong call, and in the end, that three points decides the game. That's that's something that if you're gonna look, I don't like stopping the game every two minutes because the TMO sees something. But if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do that, then at least have the referee be able to change his mind as well when he's made the wrong call.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and like that knock on call as well. Yes, it was a knock on, but if like. Where, like where is the where is the line drawn if the TMO can come in at any point, even after Wayne Barnes has said at least five times that's not a knock on, keep playing, and then just call it all the way back after the the whole all the phases have, have happened and we've made it over the line. It, it's I think it's a problem in the game that the TMO has so much power. I did prefer it back when it used to be the TMO would come in for dangerous plays and scoring plays and that was that was it really um and it, it just it it ruins the flow of the game massively and if this was my first time watching a rugby game I don't know if I'd be back to watch another one um like just compare it to the NRL grand final that was purposely by Amazing. the refs, hands off let the boys play and that was one of the greatest games of league I've I've ever watched Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I hope World Rugby realises and gets off their high horse and actually decides to do something about this because, yeah, I don't know, not in a good place after that game.
0: They've got a decision to make. They've got four years to figure it out. Um, I expect to see the Super Rugby red card rule with the 20 minutes and then a player comes back on um, to, to be applied um, internationally I think it's a good rule especially when it's you know the lesser red card offenses but four years to figure it out the All Blacks will be back we've got some young guys that we expect to be there um, in four years time saying saying goodbye um, to some guys that have been staples of our childhood really you know been around for the last you know 10 years plus um, which is, is sad to, to see them go out that way but celebrating some you know, pretty awesome careers, some some players that have given us many great moments over the years, and bring on Razor.
1: Bring on Razor, bring on Cam Royguard, baby.
0: <laughs> yes, we're big big Cam Royguard fans on the Boxed Out podcast. Now, NBA. All right, now that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk about. Um, just before we press record on this podcast, breaking news. James Harden, after being upset for the fourth time in as many years, he has finally been traded, he was at the Philly airport with his bags ready to go on the road trip, they said nah, you're not coming on the road with us, you're getting what you want, you're going to LA to join Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook and all the other guys at the Clippers, Jack, big trade. What do you reckon?
1: Huge trade. Um, I don't know. I thought Daryl Morey was the uh, the master of patience that uh, gets whatever he wants out of trades, but really a lackluster return here. No Norman Powell, no Terrence Mann, just I mean, a bunch of guys, some picks. I don't... We don't really know the full details of those picks yet, but I don't know. Seems pretty underwhelming. What do you reckon, Trev?
2: I, I I agree with you, Jack, on the on this with with the deal because it just doesn't move the needle at all for the Sixes. It's Roko for Tucker. Maybe Roko's slightly better, but it's it's kind of like a, a straight swap there. Batum's just kind of passed it now just going to be a guy that gets 20 minutes off the bench maybe so it doesn't really do anything for the sixers they we do we're not 100% sure what the picks are at this stage there's two two multiple picks is what shams is saying but if you, if they do get multiple first round picks and they've got if they're either unprotected or they are good protections maybe they could flip that on for something else but you're in a win now window you know you're, you're not going to want to use those picks At the moment, you're going to want to try and maximise your window with Embiid. So they're going to have to make another move, you'd think. Um, But this this trade isn't really going to do much for the Sixers. just seems like they had a problem with Harden, and they just wanted to get rid of him.
0: Yeah, I think Harden had a problem with them, is is how it's been reported. I I think, um, for me, the the two questions um, that arise out of this is You sort of touched on it there, Trav, with with the Sixers in their window. Embiid's healthy at the moment. He hasn't always been healthy. How long is he going to be healthy for? How long is he going to play at this level for? Um, In a way, it's possibly addition by subtraction at the guard spot. Tyrese Maxey has been absolutely incredible to start the year. Um, It's looking like he's making a real leap. It's looking like he's capable of being um, a lead ball handler, at least in the regular season. How that's going to look in the playoffs, um, we're not sure yet. But they're going to need something else. Um, they've missed out on Drew Holiday. They've missed out on Damian Lillard. And it just so happens that the two teams that they're competing with, you know, arguably the most acquired both of those guys. Um, if they're to trade those picks now, um, which, you know, I can see Embiid pressuring them to do, I don't know what deal is out, out there for them. Who, who's, who's the next guy? Who's the next... Disgruntled superstar. Um, I don't know if you guys want to fl- throw out any names, but I keep thinking of Cat um, or Go Bear, and that just that's that's not going to work with Embiid. Um, I, I don't know what they do. And then on the the Clippers side, I mean, Russ and James Harden hasn't worked before. I'm not sure it's going to you know it's not going to work again. What five years later when they're no longer the same player? Um yes they've got Paul George and Kawhi but I don't I don't know uh, there's there's just something about that team that I don't trust and I can't trust and James Harden doesn't make me trust it anymore
1: No nah, it's um I don't know I I was going to save this for our uh, our next segment but um I I almost am calling this a lose lose trade um I don't know how this really benefits the Clippers massively to put them over over the top when James Harden hasn't really proved anything since Houston and not even late Houston like when when he was beating the Warriors was probably the last time he was sort of proving he could do it and now the Clippers are even further into pick purgatory just owing 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 um and i've just actually read what the picks are so the clippers are sending a 2028 unprotected first two second round picks uh and a pick swap and then apparently there is a additional future first from a third team so God. It's even even worse than oh, we could man. have imagined for the Sixers. At,
0: at least James Harden's bringing his boyfriend PJ Tucker with him.
2: <laughs> I uh, I tweeted this out. I said PJ Tucker is to James Harden what James Jones and Mike Miller were to LeBron James.
0: <laughs> That's very Legit, true. That's very true. Like okay, Clippers, their starting lineup. You know who's it? Who's in the starting lineup? Because. You know, there's six, seven guys with Russ, Harden, Paul George, Kawhi, PJ Tucker, Zubach. They need to have a big, especially in the West. Norman Powell, Terrence Mann. What do you do, Trav, if you're um, Tyron Lue?
2: I think what, what we've got to distinguish here is there'll be a difference between what their rotation is in the regular season and what it is in the playoffs. So I think Russ and Harden could work fine in the regular season, Maybe you stagger their minutes. Of course, Russ is playing all of the with the bench unit and that. Of course, Harden. There's going to be load management. So there's going to be games where Russ is just going to be allowed to be Russ. Um, but in the playoffs, Russ. I don't think you can. You can't have Russ and Harden. Um, I mean, I think in the playoffs, Russ might even have to just be like a DNP. Um, so I think you. Go, I'd go Harden, Terrence Mann, poor George Kawhi and 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 zubak and i'd have norm as that six man because i think norm as, as that scorer you don't you don't need another scorer in that in that starting lineup man kind of gives you that athleticism the the energy and stuff i think that'd be a good lineup and i think zubak zubak's actually been quite impressive the last couple of seasons i think he's a solid big i think they've got options still to go small with obviously they could do the pj tucker small ball stuff if they wanted to. Um, so it's, it's not too bad that way, but I think there's definitely a difference between what they do in the regular season and what they do in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And we've seen what Kawhi does when he's healthy in the playoffs, mm-hmm. even last year. What was it, like two games that he played? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the highlight of the last five years for Clippers fans. I
1: mean, it was a huge two games, but... He can, he, can, he can get the job done for sure. Um, so yeah, that will be interesting. Will Tyron Low cave into Russ and his um, shenanigans?
0: Do you think the fact that Russ has accepted a deal for two million dollars or 2.3 million or whatever it was may be the first indication that he's willing to accept a lesser role?
2: it could be it could also just it just makes it easier for the clippers to waive him if they wanted to mm. potentially and yeah the clippers could i don't think that's out of the question potentially but it's it's it is going to be interesting to see what happens i still for me for the clippers i still think that it makes sense for them to do this move from the sense that you've already you've already gone so far into this thing and you've got nothing out of it um, because you haven't even made the finals yet i mean conference finals I mean, I, I don't think you can really call that a success for how much you've given up, especially when you look at how good Shea is, and that's what you've kind of given up here. So you you have to kind of make it work, and there's at least a chance that this, if James Harden can can get back to even maybe the level he was playing at in the Bro- at with Brooklyn a little bit, um, and you and you get a healthy Kawhi and a healthy poor George, maybe. You know, it makes sense to, from that from that point of view that you might as well try this. Otherwise, because I, I don't think without... I think without Harden, you've still got a worse chance. Like, you've got a better chance with Harden now. I still don't think you're as good as... You're not as good as the Celtics, not as good as the Nuggets, but you've got to try something in this situation, I feel.
1: Yeah, you you got to take a swing. you got to take a swing. You're so far deep. You're so far mm. deep. And big new arena next year. Someone's going to have to sell those tickets.
0: And it's going to be James Harden, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on the Sixers' front, Joel Embiid, how much more patience does he have? This guy has sat through the Ben Simmons being on his team and the frustrations that came with that. He's sat through Ben Simmons not being on the team, but holding things up there. He's sat through, you know. Them deciding to keep Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, as we're always reminded, um, and now this hardened situation. How much more patience does Embiid have?
1: Well, he's under contract till twenty twenty seven. That, that, that does not anything. mean anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, we we have seen all too well with AD. Dame, that that does not mean a thing.
1: I would say once he wakes up in the morning he's probably going directly to Daryl Morey's office and telling him we're not we're not done right like this this isn't it um so I think it's sort of hard to say I think I think the Sixers still have another swing at things um and they will have to have another swing at things to keep him beat around but it look it's the patience has got to be wearing thin at this point
2: Mm. I I think with, with it being Nick Nurse's first year, maybe you're looking at, at, at maybe one more season after this. Given that it's quite it's, you can't really expect Nurse to just come in immediately and change things. I still like some of the pieces they've got. You know, Maxi's obviously a lot's going to depend on how good Maxi ends up becoming. You know, yep. is Maxi going to be an all-star level player or is he going to become like an all nba first second team type guy potentially that that's going to make a huge difference because if he's just like that kind of all-star guy but not like that truly elite elite guy that that's probably not going to be enough you have guys like melton i'm high on melton i think he can be he can be a guy that if he continues to develop but it's going to depend on his development They've got a, even even if Maxi develops into that guy, they're going to have to maybe make another trade. You've got Tobias Harris's contract there, and you've got that pick that they've just got from the Clippers, which I still think twenty twenty eight unprotected. That's five years' time. The Clippers could suck there, that's that's an attractive pick. So yep. could they get another star player for Tobias Harris in that pick? Mm. That that could be something to explore. But I'd say you know if if they don't if they're not making the at least the conference finals by the next then and th- not this year, but the year after, I think Embiid's probably going to be in that trade request territory.
1: 100%. Mm,
0: I'm just trying to think who could they go for? Like real realistically, like, is it a DeJounte Murray type deal? If things don't work out in Atlanta, um, I'm just, I'm not really too sure who, who else is available. Um, the Cavs are set. The Bucks are set. Celtics set, you know, Randall and Embiid isn't going to work. <laughs> um, Randall and anybody isn't going to work. Uh,
1: Levine, yeah,
0: maybe Le- maybe <laughs> yeah. Levine. Yep, but Demar, uh, yeah, yeah, Levine and Demar. Those are probably the two guys, right? Because I think I think like it's pretty agreed that they need a a wing guy, a wing scorer, but they also need someone that's a good defender as well. Um, just because of you know Ty- Tyrese Maxey's build, he's not not the biggest guy, especially on defense, which we've seen, you know in the playoffs is something that gets hunted time will tell um it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i wouldn't be surprised honestly if Embiid requests a trade to new york at the end of the year and ends up on the nets or something like that
1: yeah anything can happen man
0: anything can happen all right well a brief segue from what we planned about talking about this episode um but exciting to be able to do it in the moment as the news breaks um but anyway moving on so after the first few games you know most teams have played four four games at the moment three or four games um there have been a few things that have stood out um both individually um with the players and then also some trends with the teams and what we, we wanted to do is just put a couple of questions to each other um you know about about these players or teams and whether we think that it's the real deal or not whether it's here to stay you know, are we buying into how this particular player or team is looking so far? Um, so we're just going to go around, you know, f- float those questions, um, chat some shit about what we think um, the situation is, and yeah, go from there. Jack, do you want to kick us off?
1: I sure will. This is a, um, a short and sweet one. The Mavericks, are they actually good? They're 3-0, and high, highest offensive rating in the league. We wrote them off. But are they good, Trev? Should I have put money on Luca to win MVP this year?
2: I think Luke one one of the better bets for MVP. I will I will say that. Um, just you know, with the usage and look, if he's he's the got one of the guys that's gonna he's going to average what he's going to average. He's going to have thirty points, potentially a triple double or close to it. And if this team can get a top four seed. I mean, he's going to be up there because, you know, and we look at some of the other guys, like, yeah, Lillard might be taking votes from Giannis this year. Giannis has never had a guy like Lillard taking votes from him. Jokic, we know Jokic kind of like he's, he, he's at the stage where he just doesn't, he probably doesn't care too much about the regular season. He's won his MVPs. I think when we're looking at this Mavericks team, like they're better than last year for sure. I think Grant Williams is a good addition. They needed a guy like that when they lost Dorian Finney-Smith. They needed like a defensive guy. They could shoot the free a little bit. Derek Lively is an upgrade on Dwight Powell and Christian Wood, especially on the on the defensive end. You've, I mean, even guys like Josh Green, looking pretty solid. We know Josh like, and if he continues to improve, so I think like it's kind of. I feel like they've got good pieces around Kyrie and Luca. Kyrie and Luca, it's heliocentric. They're going to have the ball. You just need guys that are going to play D and knock down some frees, and that's kind of what they've got. Think they could maybe use another big. Maybe there, you know, a guy like, I mean, surely Clint Capella is getting traded at some point. I think he'd be a pretty good fit for him. We know because Clint Capella's a guy that played with James Harden. He's used to that dominant ball handler. He's just going to go out there, get rebounds, catch lobs. But I think I think they're good, but they're not. They could have a good. I think they're good enough to have a good regular season. I don't think they're going to make noise in the playoffs. I think maybe maybe win a series at best. I don't see them. I don't see them getting to the finals. I just can't see it unless they added some for someone else.
0: Mm. Yeah, some good points there. I think I was probably the most most harsh on this podcast about Dallas um, this year. Um, I agree about you know the pieces that they've added around Luca and Kyrie for sure. I think Derek Lively's looked really really good. He's exactly the kind of athletic big that is going to make a career out of playing with someone like Luca. Luca can find him in the air. Lively can go get it that's important um the one sort of reservation i have and sorry to be negative on on your sweet mavericks um is just the teams that they've played the three and oh but they've played the pistons the spurs and the nets um so i'd quite like to see how they look against um some of the more formidable teams in either conference um but hey it's it's great for a team like this that's you know only just come together and in, in many respects to get a couple of wins under their belt, um, feel each other out, all of that sort of stuff. But Hey, time will tell.
2: And Jason could mm. still the coach. So <laughs> that's still-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to hold you back. That's definitely going to hold you back. What do you have any thoughts on the Mavs Jack or? Oh, um, not really. I just <laughs> wanted, to- <laughs> just wanted- <laughs> I wanted to see, wanted to see you squirm after predicting they'd miss the, the playoffs this year.
0: Mm, yeah it's my um, my Nick's call from last year isn't it
1: we'll see yeah. no i we'll I, see. I i sort of agree with with trav like that um the style that they play it's effective but when you're playing an entire series against a team i feel like it can be picked apart a little bit more and i don't know if they have the firepower to break through a team scheming for them for two weeks um mm. But, yeah, that's that's another one we'll see on hot start for them. We'll see if they can keep it up.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I'm keen to watch. Um, Trav, do you want to hit us with your first point?
2: Well, okay, well I want to talk about the Nets, one of the teams that the Mavericks have, have defeated, if you will. I, for me, when I look at this Nets roster, there's just so many guys on this, and there's a lot of similar guys. And you look at Ben Simmons' emergence – Cam Thomas, we know that this guy is a guy, every time he plays big minutes, he drops 30. Finally, this season, it looks like he's going to get minutes. That's potentially not as good for a guy like Mikel, who we maybe thought would be this 25-a-game guy he was at the at the end of last season. But it, there's a lot of question marks with this team because they've just got too many guys on this team with all of the players they've got. Do you guys think – who do you think – do you think there's going to get be some trades on this team? Do you think Cam Thomas is going to continue to have this role? That That's what I'm interested in.
0: I think I, – oh, you go, Jack.
1: I, yeah, no, 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 go for it, man. I was going to say yes Fire with away. Cam
0: Thomas. I think he's pretty electric as a perimeter scorer. Um, he's been really efficient. He's helped them win so far. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when – cam johnson gets back um whether they're going to take touches away from each other take minutes away from each other um if anybody gets traded on this team i can see it being the the spencer dinwiddie dorian finney smith royce o'neill those sort of guys even dennis smith jr cam thomas is young enough and he's shown enough promise um especially as a scorer getting to the free throw line um that why not stick it out with him um perimeter defense as long as they've got Simmons you know actually playing and Bridges there they've got enough to sort of back up any defensive woes he might have and with Claxton healthy in the the middle there um there's there's some promise for sure um I don't think he's going to average 30 but you know as a you know regular rotation player you know potentially like a Tyrese Maxey from a a couple of years ago definitely on the cards
1: yeah Um, he's, he's shooting 61% from the field at the moment, probably, probably not sustainable numbers there, but if you're the nets, why the hell not, man, just let him play. Like you're like, you don't really have much else to play for. Like, it's not like you're going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot. I don't think they have their pick this year. Someone speak up if I'm wrong.
0: Mm, I'm not sure. Surely they've got some Phoenix picks coming up.
1: Yeah, but they don't have their own pick. So, like, why not just let this guy have a crack at things? It it sort of works with having a facilitator in Simmons Mm. not playing at the point. Um,
0: Yep, absolutely. But
1: I do think they will make a move. I do think that one of these wings will go and there will be a contender wanting to mm. pay up for them like someone like royce o'neill yeah, like royce o'neill they don't
0: O'Neal's- need them you know they don't need lonnie
2: walker you know they have too many yeah yeah, uh, yeah. if, if but, i'm if i'm the nets this is this nets team just this this is not a team that's going to compete as they're currently constructed this season so just go with the youth go with yeah. your simmons are still you know kind of young i guess but you know, you start Simmons, Cam Thomas, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Claxton. Like, four of those guys are really young. That's for, – for most of those guys are elite defenders except Cam Thomas. But when you've got that many elite defenders around him, you can cover for that. And then just kind of develop these guys. You know, Dinwiddie shouldn't be getting the minutes he's getting at, at his age. He's not gonna. He's not doing anything for them. You know, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith is a good, really good player, but a guy that's probably – best on a contending team right now not on a team like the nets who's looking to rebuild so i kind of agree with that and i'd I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least two of dinwiddie royce o'neill or dorian finney smith traded
1: totally i can i can see just thinking about this now i can see d'angelo russell on this team by the end of the year and the lakers running out dinwiddie and and royce o'neill off the bench i can see it
0: i would not be opposed to that at all although d'lo did have a good game today but (laughs) <laughs> I, I'd like that as
2: well
1: yeah I mean like, I could see like there's going to be there's definitely going to be a contender like the Cavs the Cavs will be like I don't know like Max Struess he's great but he's I don't know he oh, can't right. really play the three too well he has been good he's had two double doubles two
0: of his four career double doubles in the first couple of games eh
1: yeah maybe I'm being crazy it's but-
0: like he's taking 20 <laughs> shots a night
1: which is yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, who who knows? Eh. Well, I, I suppose those guys were acquired, you know, in the Kyrie Irving trade, and they were acquired to win. You know, like that's that's what they would. That was the point why they got those guys, and then KD got traded like shortly shortly afterwards.
2: You know, they were retooling around KD. I
1: I think they would have known. You reckon? I don't know. Yeah.
2: I I guess that's just the best assets Dallas had. Dallas had nothing. At least Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe they just thought, oh, well, we can flip him next year for a a late first-round pick to a contender, which Mm -hmm. they probably could. And that's, you know, but yeah, and and it makes salary work because otherwise you're taking Tim Hardaway Jr., I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to, to see how it plays out. Um, maybe they're going to play those veteran guys um, to, to sort of market them before they get a trade. We will see. Um, moving on.
1: Your turn. DeAndre Ayton. Oh, good. Now,
0: I've, I've got a question, and I want to phrase it, phrase it like, quite specifically. Is DeAndre Ayton, Rudy Gobert on offense... But without the defense.
1: (laughs) Um geez, I (laughs) well if you asked me a week and a half ago, I would have laughed you out of the room. But yeah, he has he's not been good. Um it it turns out he um he did need Paul spoon feeding him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not much to add there. I haven't watched too many Blazers games, I'll be honest. Um, what do you reckon, Trev?
2: I think when Aiden's at his best, he's in that kind of pick and roll. He's he's a great mid-range shooter and gets those short kind of passes out of there, pick and pop kind of get, makes those mid ranges. gets in a roll. That's what he needs. I don't think the Blazers – I think Scoot Henderson – Shade and Sharp; these guys are not the type of guys to kind of get him involved in a way that I think he needs like a more traditional floor general point guard to do that for him. That he had that with Chris Paul. So he needs
0: someone spoon to, feeding him, is what
2: you're saying? He kind of, yeah, he needs that. But I mean, <laughs> sounds he, he like Rudy Gobert to me. He needs that. No, Rudy Gobert doesn't have a mid range, but <laughs> True. He that's does I think, I think, yeah, I mean, he's not a post up big and that's that's his issue i mean maybe he could i think the best if it, him and brogdon could form something i think and but i don't, brogdon isn't really i don't know they're not they're not matching their minutes up cuz they want to start scoot obviously they're going to start scoot but maybe you maybe you try and stagger it so robert williams plays more of the starters and you have mm-hmm. aiden and brogdon running together but i st- i still like aiden i still think he's i still think he's Got potential. I just, I don't know. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's working on this team, but we'll have to see as the season goes along. It's only been three or four games, but Mm. he's not a post-up big. That's the thing. He's not going to create his, he needs to have, he needs to have the guard get it to him, but.
1: Yeah. Uh, And a rookie point guard is in no way, shape or form helping him out. In that respect. Um, Yeah. I, I actually think Aiden's a pretty decent defender. Um, He's always been relatively okay on Jokic and Giannis but yeah that's two, uh, that's it's just two teams
2: a- yeah and well, kills him but the thing with the, the Aiton he's a guy he's really good when he's engaged to get him engaged though you need to get him the ball he needs to be scoring because and we saw that in the playoffs right because they just didn't pass in the ball he didn't care to play defense but when he's yep. you know it's it's, comp- it's complimentary with him he's not going to give you that defensive effort unless he's getting the touches on offense and that's kind of like it works it works both ways with him. And he's a guy like he'll pack a sad if he's not kinda of having it his way. So you need you know, you need to have it going his way if you want him to play good. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, well he's definitely
2: he had
0: thirteen shots a game last year. So far he's taking just under seven. Um no doubt. He's doub- rebounding well though. Yeah, he is that's he is rebounding well. But I I think for me, when you rock up to a city and you introduce yourself as dominating. You need to average more than eight points a game, um, but I appreciate it as early in the year, um, and we will we will see how that tra- transpires.
1: Yeah, we'll see if 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 Scope gets gets any better. Mm. But this look, everyone worrying about Scope. This uh, look at like ninety five percent of rookie point guards. This is what happens. Yep, they struggle. They always struggle.
0: Mm. Yeah, do you want to kick us off with your next point, Jack?
1: Absolutely. Jeez, um, we're going we're going quite negative today, um, and that's going to continue. <laughs> the Grizzlies.
0: Oh, yeah, that's negative.
1: The Grizzlies. Mm. Are they in serious trouble? They are 0-4, losing to the Nuggets, Pelicans, Mavs, and Wizards. Their net rating is minus eight, six worse in the league. The only teams below them, Blazers, Wizards, Jazz, Spurs, and Rockets. Mm. As we know, Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark out for the season. Jar obviously out, 21 more games. And at the moment, Santi Aldama and Luke Kennard are out. I think you'd almost take their inactive squad over their active squad right now. Um... Like, the fourth the fourth to seventh players in their rotation are Zaya Williams, Xavier Tillman, John Concha, and David Roddy. Mm. I know they are a good team, and this is obviously due to injuries at the moment, but are, are they in danger of just slipping too far back and four games is the difference at the end of the year?
2: It it could well be, and you know it's kind of surprising to me a little bit because this Grizzlies team it all it almost had a better record without Jar than it did with Jar the last couple of seasons, and I think a lot of people underrate Tyus Jones, yes. who's been I think he's he was the best backup point guard in the league for a long time. He's a guy who just doesn't turn the ball over, gets assists, gets everyone involved, is efficient. He's a big loss for them because Marcus Smart's a guy that. Marcus Smart might be a better player than Tyus Jones, but he's not a better point guard. He's not mm. a better guy at running the offense. You know, Marcus Smart's kind of that guy. Like he works as a point guard if he's not the main ball handler, like in Boston when you got Tatum handling the ball and he'll you know he can bring it up the court, initiate some sets, but that's basically what you want him. That's basically all he's going to do. And then he'll you know he'll play off the ball a bit. He'll play give you good defense, and they're kind of missing that at the moment. They're missing, I think, Tyus Jones a lot this team should still be much better than it is i mean jaron jackson jr and Bane. that's two guys that uh well jaron jackson was an all-star Bane probably could have been an all-star as well that's two all-star guys you've got marcus smart who's probably like an all-star role player if you will that's you know it's that when luke canard comes back he's one of the best shooters in the nba that that should be enough to be at least have you in the play-in range until jar comes back but I think the big loss here is Adams. Their rebounding is really bad without Adams. Jaron Jackson Jr. in my opinion is the worst pound for pound rebounder in the NBA. <laughs> and we saw that we saw that at the the FIBA World Cup. He, he was literally averaging like two rebounds a game as the starting center. Okay, he gets his six seven boards because he's tall and he plays at the four. But you know, pound for pound, he is not a good rebounder. And I think they could they needed they needed probably trade make a trade. I'm not sure what they do, whether, whether they trade Adams or they get like an injured player exception so they can get salary. They've but just I'll signed go back to Biombo. Again. They signed Biom- oh. yeah, Biombo. Oh, they're sweet. They're, yeah, they're, they're good. They're winning the chip now. <laughs> but I'll go back to Clint Capella. I mean, like... Yeah, the, I was
1: just going to say the that. Have,
2: the Hawks have to, you know... Rob Williams, another good shout. But yeah, I mean, Clint Capella, right? The Hawks, surely they're going to start a congo soon. The Hawks, the Hawks have got to do a deal they got to trade Capella at some point because you can't have a Congo and Capella just splitting the minutes. Get Bregan Capella or someone. I don't mm. know, but they've got to make it. I think they've got to get a better center and then Bionbo, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Capella's been interesting. Hey, I've never seen a center miss more layups and dunks to start a season. It's oh. It's been like back-to-back misses. Like, oh, it's been awful. But yeah, anyway, back to the Grizzlies. I think, absolutely, I think what they're struggling with at the moment is just the lack of guys. Like people teams only need to defend jaron jackson and desmond bain they're forcing up shots Marcus smart he's he doesn't need to be told to shoot that he is as green green as they come when it um when it comes to taking bad shots um and it just makes them easy to defend they've been inefficient desmond bain in particular i think a lot of his value was around the open jump shots he would get around jar um but I mean, in our projections, we um, we sort of we tried to account for this sort of early period with Jar out. Um, yeah, I didn't think it would be this bad. Um, the first three, I was like, yeah, okay, but when they lost to the Wizards, that was like, whoa, you know.
2: Because Mm. it was a back to back, but yeah, uh, it was still pretty uh, bad. Back
0: to I don't care if it was the fifth game in five (laughs) nights; they should have beaten the the Wizards. You know, like especially with this talent, like going from a team that's like a top of the West for multiple years in a row. But we'll see. We'll see. It'll be pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're bad. It's it's literally because of the injuries. Absolutely, it's just like as. And obviously it's um it's worrying but
2: I've, are, are they yeah.
1: are they falling out too far um,
2: the play-in yeah. might save them Like they might they should be able to get to the play-in game would with, with, with the jar games and they might they might they might have to be one of the playing teams they might have to win two they might they might not even they might have to win two play-in games but they they should they they could be I yeah. think they'll be in the play-in games at least
1: yep yeah. Their um their next three games are against the Jazz and the Blazers twice, so that will be the uh, the telling ones there. If they can, I don't know if they fall to one and two in those games, that's that's when the alarm bells start ringing because they they should have Kennard and um Aldama back by then. So we will see. Can they stay afloat until Jar gets back? Trev, you're up, brother
2: i want talk. I want to talk, kind of, with the with the rookies here, and in particular, Chet versus Wemby versus Scoot, because that's probably what the Rookie of the Year race is going to be. And so far, it looks like Chet is by far the best out of the three in terms of as a rookie, and he and he he might be the he might be the guy for Rookie of the Year this year because he is, and he's got the advantage because he's the Ben Simmons rookie, he's or the Blake Griffin rookie. But we've seen it like <laughs> if you've got an extra year in the league, it gives you an advantage. But he's looked awesome. Awesome on defense, but efficient on offense. I mean, just today had another solid game, knocking down, like started the game, he had like three triples in the first quarter or something. Like, he's been awesome. I mean, if anything, he should be getting more usage than he's getting because he's been good with the shots he's gotten. And then you look at Wemby, he's quite struggling, especially with the turnovers, with the fouls. Scoots has been really disappointing. And we can, rookie guards do struggle. But I remember last season... To start the season, like Benedict Maverin and Jaden Ivey and Banchero, they were all lights out to start the season. They kind of regressed a little bit in the middle portion, but this rookie class was one of the most hyped up of all time, or at least not of all time, but maybe recent history. And, it, you mm. know, they haven't they haven't been as impressive as I thought they'd be, uh, but Chet has been.
1: Yep. Yeah. Chet has got to be number one right now. He's mm. uh, He's already within three or four games such an important piece of this thunder team such an important piece like if he's if he's not the favorite right now then that's i don't know partly because of the uh Wimby hype mm. i would say um yeah
0: yeah in our preseason predictions um jack and i both do we both pick chet I know I definitely picked Chet for Rookie of the Year. And I think a lot of that is impacted by the fact that we think, Jack and I both think the Thunder um, are going to be really good this year. We've both, I think, picked them as top five teams in the West. And I think a rookie putting up solid numbers, um, but also being as important to the team as Chet will be, slash is to OKC. I think that's going to go a long way for him in the Rookie of the Year race. Um, Scoot, he'll figure it out. Um, being tough, you know, to lose Simon so early, I think he would have, you know, been planning to play alongside him for the training camp and preseason, etc. And now, all of a sudden, he does, he doesn't have that that drawing card um, for the defense. Brandon Miller had a good game today. Um, they were down big, and he was instrumental to the Hornets coming back, although they did ultimately lose um Wemby's Wemby he's exciting to watch but yeah the the numbers do do suggest he is struggling um but yeah I I find myself tuning in a lot more to these young exciting teams that I haven't seen before um which is is quite interesting I I thought just you know as as a personal observation
1: yeah the Thunder certainly are exciting with Chet being a big part of that I think he will win Rookie really of mm. the Year. There's, you know, the Wemby shutdown is going to come at some point. You just know, like, and obviously the Spurs have got 15 years of this guy. Why risk? Absolutely. The last, the last and 20 games of a season where they're probably going to be a bottom three team. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And there's no question for me, Wemby is going to be the best player out of this crop. Cr- oh. But he's he's raw yeah. at the moment, and I think Chet's more polished. He's got he's got the jump shot is more developed. He's just, he's just at, at, as things currently are. And he's also playing the center position, which is probably maybe what Wemby should eventually be playing. And I think it's, it's it'd be easier for Wemby. Maybe if he was playing the center, cause I think he'd, it would, it, it would make things a bit more simple, but yeah, I think at the moment chess is more polished, obviously in a better team as well. That helps. Yeah, playing Definitely. alongside guys like J-Dub, Shea and Giddy's got to be
0: part of the difference there, you know, like with, with without a doubt. Um, the
2: Spurs yeah they're not not great
1: wait what do you mean Calden Johnson's the man <laughs> all
2: right yeah Jack. I get a, I get Calden Johnson's better than Vassell takes all the time and it just it, it annoys me but I, I just don't even I can't even be asked to argue with <laughs> <about> it anymore. <anyway. laughs>
1: I, I remember reading one of your tweets sometime last year about wishing that you could bet on field goals attempted because Calden Johnson would be overs and money every single time
2: yeah, and this year it's going to be Jordan Poole. He's been <laughs> quite reserved to start the year. He's taken a yeah, couple well, of
0: terrible shots, but I think he only put up 11 shots today.
2: Yeah, it was a massive blowout, obviously, but I think with Jordan Poole, it's going to be like, you're going to have to pick and choose. He's going to have, it's because it's going to depend on blowout. That team's going to get blown out a lot, and today they started Kuzma at the centre, because Gafford was out, which is ridiculous but that's I mean wow. they don't have any other centers that's why Gafford's a good guy to have in fantasy but I mean yeah I mean it's gonna be like if they can keep games close he's gonna get he's gonna have some big games but I'm a bit worried because I kind of I did think he might win most improved because he's just got that he's got that easy path to like average 27 28 but I just feel like they might get blown out a bit too much and in those blowouts he's gonna have like really bad stats and probably not even get to or get low 20s or not even get to 20 so Maxie might be that guy now, or Cam Thomas, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Be
0: yeah, interesting for sure. Just okay.
1: I'm I'm on the Jordan Poole train. Yeah. I it's slowing down, but I, I I am still on it.
0: Love a quick Jordan Poole segue.
1: Um well, we gotta, gotta talk, to talk about, about, him.
0: about him. Um now my last point, this is a question for both of you. Does Steph Curry have another MVP in him?
1: Yes.
2: Thanks. <laughs> I'd say I'd say no, just because I just I don't think anyone his age has ever won MVP. It's like uh, I did the, I did the numbers beforehand, but it's like the last like twenty MVPs. There's only been like t- a couple guys over thirty, and they were both like thirty, thirty one. I think one of them was like Nash. Just they just don't win MVPs. He's then you got the sixty five game stuff now. It's not whether mm. he's is he good enough to play at an MVP level. Yep, is he good enough to actually win the MVP? But it well, it's not. It's not whether he's good enough to win MVP. He is good enough. It's just whether will he with. But maybe, you know who knows? I think he, he's. If he does, I wouldn't. He's he's one of the guys with a game where you think he could do it because he's just he's so skillful and he's got the shooting ability. He doesn't rely as much on athleticism as guys like a. And, that, and that's part of the reason, probably, why not many people over thirty win the MVP is they don't rely on. And their, the, you know their athleticism declines. One of the guys that did win MVP at after age thirty, Steve Nash. You know, a guy that didn't rely on that athleticism, relied on that skill. So may, maybe Steph can do that.
1: Mm, I, I I think it, sort of what you're saying. It will not be um, factors to do with Steph's own play. He's at he's at that level yeah. for sure. Definitely seeding. Mm-hmm. And relying on the, I don't know, it, like if the Nuggets are the fourth seed and the Warriors are the two seed, then you're definitely mm-hmm. going to get more voters looking towards the top guy on one of the top teams. So it, it always happens. Every single year there's that guy or a few of those guys that stand out because of their seeding. So that'll be a reason. And then obviously games played, will he make it to 65 I don't know what his games played are over the last few seasons, but I imagine it's probably below 65. Yeah, I've got it right
0: here, 63, 64, 56. So right on the on the cusp there. Um, I suppose last year's a little, little bit under. I think with Steph, for me, it's, if you mentioned seeding, if the Warriors are a top three seed especially, um, I think this year what he's got that's slightly different is clay and andrew wiggins and draymond green even chris paul like they've all declined so much that they're not taking away from him anymore he he is this team i mean i I understand he's been the engine for you know the past decade but like he's gone out there and taken 28 shots he hasn't done that in a long time consistently um he's shooting a high percentage he's gotten so much stronger to the point that he's a threat in the paint and a genuine threat in the paint um i i can see it i can see him getting the darling love the storyline all of that but yeah i suppose it will come down to the games played
1: Mm.
0: not agreeing i wouldn't put money on it i wouldn't put 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 money
1: no 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 Mm. i don't know just by I, look, I'm gonna to listen to Trav, and if he's telling me that <laughs> yeah. not many people over 30, Could win it, with the
0: numbers. I, I I appreciate that. I respect that point.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, he's good enough to win it. It's just like, and look, if he does get that 65 games, and I, I agree with what you're saying, like, and if and the Warriors are up there, and he's averaging 30, which he probably will, because he has to, he has to actually take on a bigger role this year. He'll be up there, but um, you know, but you're gonna have Jokic is gonna be up there as well. Um, and Jokic will probably play 65 games, so. You're going you're gonna to have Giannis, you're going to have Embiid, you're going to have a lot of guys there, Tatum as well. Mm. So it'd be hard. Jokic is Will definitely be a tough beat this year, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. Mm. Yeah, he is.
2: Mm.
0: Did any of you want to say anything about any other points or are, are we happy to move on? I, th- I think we're we're getting quite far time-wise through the episode. Happy to move on, Jack?
1: Definitely. I could do a whole 20 minutes on the Nuggets, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll save, save that. Please, Save that one.
0: Please, not today. Now, we've mentioned Trav's um, prowess on Twitter with the punts, the numbers. You've heard it you know, for the last 45 minutes at least. Something that Jack and I are both very intrigued to pick your brain about, Trav, is how you do it. The numbers that you find, where do you find them, how do you find them, what are the trends that you're following that allow you to successfully beat the bookies so consistently?
2: I'll, t- I'll tell you what, the, 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 the main thing is, is because, because it's player props, I think it's very difficult to beat them on, you know, spreads and stuff. But player props, they've got to post hundreds of different player props for every single game. 11 games late today, there's thousands of options. They've got to post all of them. You've only got to find maybe the four or five that were, that were wrong. And and you know, there's a lot of tools that can help you do. It. Obviously, I played fantasy basketball competitively, obviously with you guys as well since I was like 15. So I'm just looking at the box scores every day, and you kind of pick up on those trends. And there's heaps of tools now you can use, like StatMuse, to kind of filter through things. And you just, yeah, I think you know, you just it's that that's what you do. You kind of focus on those player props, and that that's how it works for me.
1: Mm. Do you um? Do you ever look at, I've, I've, I've got a mate from work that is quite the, um, the punter. Like I always see, he always shows me the wins. I don't know how much he's lost, but it's often <laughs> in the thousands. <laughs> so I'm I mean, going to trust he knows what he's doing, but he always talks to me about like who's defending the guy that he's betting on. I don't know if I buy into that. Is that something you ever look into? Like their one on one matchup?
2: I I do look into that. I wouldn't say I'm, but that's not like that. That will help. So for today, for example, I was on I was on Giannis points because Bam Adebayo was out, and they were starting Thomas Bryant at the center and Kevin Love at the power forward. And you can kind of Thomas Bryan is known as one of the worst defensive centers in the league. Kevin Love's like 50 years old now, so like that that matters, right? Like Giannis is obviously going to destroy that matchup much more than he is Bam. So that's something you ta- it's something you take into account, but it's like one of many things probably to take into account. It's not the only thing because sometimes. Sometimes if a guy's taken thirty shots, doesn't matter who, doesn't matter who's guarding them, he's gonna he's gonna have a good he's gonna always well, he's not necessarily gonna have a good game, but he's gonna score a decent amount of points because he's got that volume. So I think in the NBA volume is king, but then then you go to matchups and stuff like that as well. I love it.
0: I absolutely love it. Um, and. Something I love even more is that you do all the hard work for us. <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then you share, share those pics online. Um, often a little bit too close to the start of games um, for me. But um, absolutely love it. Love following you on Twitter. Love, um, you know, seeing you react to things where they don't
2: quite go your way as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, known, I've known to have a, have a bit of a, a moan about it, yeah. I
1: love, I love the, um, like... Calling a bit off in the third quarter like just saying
2: the reverse the reverse yes yeah, yeah and then
1: half the times it comes through anyway it's always that's always quality
0: yeah absolutely love it um very excited to have managed to get you on this episode Trav thank you very much for giving us your time sharing us your knowledge it's been very insightful great to have you um you know we've been battling it out in the fantasy basketball leagues for the past several years. Um so yeah it's it's good to chat about basketball with you um Is there anything else you want to add
2: um before we sign off today? I thought I thought i'd give give you guys a few things I picked up on with trends that may help help you guys that um but you know and I think it i'll use I'll use one of Jack's probably his favorite players to to give you this example, but home and away splits, especially for a team like the Nuggets who have this home advantage. It's, it's something to pay attention to. We saw it with um, Nikola Jokic. You look at him last season, averaged 11.1 assists, I think, at home. On the road, 8.5. Like That's a huge Damn. difference in, in assists. And we've kind of seen that play out this season. 11 assists in both his home games, but then he had like seven and I think five assists on the road games. So what you had this season is you had today, Jokic's assist is at 8.5 at home. The only reason it's eight point five is because he's had two really kind of bad assist games when he was on the road. Then he comes in today and has eleven assists at home. Has to think about like six or seven in the first quarter or something. So yeah. that's just something to keep an eye on. I think uh, when you when you're doing your punts, if, if as, as well, just keep it kind of keeping to those like think about those home and away splits. Yeah, um, definitely for sure. You
1: always hear you always hear about how the role players play better at home. And yeah. I can imagine that's probably part of it, as those guys are playing better at home, more open looks. Jokic is feeding them. Bang, assists are higher. But yeah, I I definitely like that. And honestly, I don't really look into home and in away when I'm when I'm when I'm making bets. So it's probably something to note down and uh, start start implementing.
0: A tasty little gem there for the listeners that have made it this far.
1: Yeah, savor sure. it, savor it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think I think that'll do us. Trav, do you want to shout out your, your X slash Twitter while you're here?
2: Yeah, you can get me on X. I call. It, I've, I've been Dench man now It's Fade man. You know, uh, but yeah, obviously I will just post on there. It's always free. Always will be free. I'm pretty sure about that. And uh, yeah, I just enjoy. I just enjoy, I mainly just enjoyed like researching the stats. We love love fantasy basketball. Love just the analysts behind it you know whether whether it's a bonus that we can maybe make a little bit of you know Uber Eats money or whatever (laughs) totally man totally But you know it's just mainly the analysis there that that I love
0: beautiful thank you very much for joining us Um, we really appreciate it no doubt we'll need to get you on later on in the season this has been a a blast Um, Jack take us away
1: thank you very much everybody enjoy basketball Go the All Blacks, we're still proud of you boys. That'll do us for today. Goodbye.